Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by Culture at NL Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Culture NL Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the East Ephesus Librarian, and today's episode is going to be all about International Women's Day. International Women's Day was on Monday the 8th of March, and this year's theme was Choose to Challenge. And because of that, we decided to challenge some of the fantastic women in our librarian team to come up with their own little sound bites about their favourite authors and female characters as well. So we're going to start off by including the clip from Alison. Hi. I'm Alison, and in normal times, I'm one of the librarians at Coatbridge Library. Today I'd like to talk to you about one of my favourite female writers, well, favourite writers really, and a feminist icon, Margaret Atwood. Yet, despite how we know her now, Atwood was not always a feminist campaigner. In fact, in the early 80s, she was against the idea of writers as activists. However, fate stepped in in the form of a natural disaster, the eruption of Mount St Helens, and this meant that the flight that Atwood was scheduled to take after attending a conference was cancelled, and instead she journeyed by car to San Francisco to pick up a flight there. She shared this 11-hour car journey with a fellow poet who told her of the atrocities happening to women in the Civil War in El Salvador and going largely unreported. And this in turn led to her reconsidering her position and eventually to the creation of some very political writing. I first read The Handmaid's Tale in 1993 and the world was a very different place. Since then, the events chronicles have become even more prescient and scarily close to our reality. Having been alerted to the expertise of this great Canadian novelist, I then progressed to work my way through the back catalogue and snapped up the new titles when they frustratingly slowly appeared. None more frustratingly slowly than the long-anticipated sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, The Testaments, which wasn't published until 2019. However, I can't really complain, as some people were waiting for this new instalment about Gilead from the mid-1980s. Back then, The Handmaid's Tale was not quite the mainstream phenomenon it's now become, with women dressing as handmaidens while they protest against Donald Trump in the streets, or the massive insight we have been given to the world of Gilead through the TV series that Margaret Atwood herself has approved of. However, nearly 30 years on, the characters of Alfred and Aunt Lydia continue to jump from the page and sneak into our minds and thoughts. If The Handmaid's Tale is Alfred's story, then The Testaments is Aunt Lydia's, and if you haven't read either novel, then obviously I would heartily recommend that you do. But here is a quick biography of both. Alfred, or June in another life, is a young, fertile woman. She already has a daughter from a previous relationship, and as a result of this, she is rounded up with other fertile women to become handmaids in a world facing a fertility crisis. With biblical references to approaches to giving offspring to a barren marriage, she is sent to live with the commander and his wife to give them a child. And thereafter, we are taken on a journey through this deeply hierarchical world, meeting other handmaids, wives, commanders and Nick the chauffeur. We also flashbacks to her former life and what brought her to this point. In this novel, Aunt Lydia is a kind of instructor and midwife who leads the handmaids and encourages them and admonishes them and is a bridge between them and the wives. She is part of the establishment. So women do have a power in this novel, but ultimately this is a man's world. Testaments comes at things in a different way, but it is still very much a novel about women and amongst women. 
In this novel, Aunt Lydia is very much part of the establishment and we see how she got there and what she chooses, and has chosen, to do with this power. As the name suggests, it relies on the testimony of the women involved, their stories as they tell them, with all the omissions and biases included. This is also true of Alfred's story in The Handmaid's Tale. However, we may be offered a glimpse of hope at the end of both novels, but this is still a dystopia and far removed from our present. Or at least, that's what I hope. Happy International Women's Day! Most readers, I'm sure, have got some fantastic memories of some female characters and hopefully these little sound bites will give you some insights into some as well as including the authors too. Next up to give us some of her favourites is Lynn. Hi, my name is Lynn and in celebration of International Women's Day, I'd like to highlight a much-loved and best-selling author, Jean Austen. I have recently read The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow, which really does Jane Austen proud and is written in the same witty and uplifting manner, yet highlights so clearly the frustrations of women at that time and reminded me once again of how far we have come from the 19th century to today with the place of women in society, although I am very aware that we have a long way to go both in the UK and globally. The first Jane Austen title I read was Northanger Abbey, and the edition I had began with an introduction about Jane Austen, which was really interesting and certainly made me read her books in a new light. Jane wrote six major novels, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Mansfield Park, Emma, Northanger Abbey, and persuasion. These have stood the test of time and are still very popular today, 200 years on. Many have been adapted really well for television and the big screen, and I have had quite a few conversations about which version of Pride and Prejudice was the best one. Was it the one with Colin Firth as Darcy, or the one with Keira Knightley as Elizabeth Bennet? Which one would be your favourite? Personally, I prefer the one with Kira Knightley. Oh, but I can almost hear your protestations as you listen to this. I chose Jane Austen for this podcast for International Women's Day as she used her novels to make comment on British society in the 19th century, particularly amongst the landed gentry and the role of women at that time and their limited choices. Her novels are often based on the dependence of women on marriage to obtain a favourable social standing as well as economic security, without any notion of choice or love. She highlights some of the ridiculous nature of what was deemed at the time as appropriate manners and also some of the sad outcomes of the social mores of the day. The novels are filled with irony as well as realism and she enjoys poking fun at these and was quite modern in her thinking and outlook. If you haven't ever picked up one of her novels, I would highly recommend you do. The characters are great, some quite comical around their affectation, 
others shallow and self-seeking. And the stories are parodies of the society in that era. The theme of this year's International Women's Day is Choose to Challenge. And Jane Austen chose to challenge the role of women in society through the medium of a novel. And who knows how much this may have influenced society going forward. It is known that initially, initially Jane Austen wrote anonymously and when published, they were not bestsellers with only moderate success. And she dies at the young age of 41, not realising what a global phenomenon she would become. Two of her novels were even published posthumously. They now all have worldwide appeal, being translated into over 40 languages and are greatly loved. They have inspired a number of spin-off or reimagined works like the one I mentioned at the beginning and other well-known authors like P.D. James, Val McDermott, Joanna Trollope and Hel Helen Fielding are amongst those authors who have also reimagined or had some spin-off stories in the line of Jane Austen's works. So there is loads more to explore of the world of Jane Austen. Enjoy. Have you received any inspiration yet for what might be your next read? Hopefully the next little clip from Gillian will be able to give you another little insight into what something you might want to pick up in the near future. Hello, my name's Gillian. I'm the Customer Services Librarian at Cumbernauld Library. And for International Women's Day, I've been looking back on one of my favourite novels by one of my favourite authors, and I'm going to look at Amy Tan's The Joy Luck Club. This wonderful novel, which was Amy Tan's first, centres on four Chinese immigrant women living in California and their four growing up, very Americanised daughters. The stories of their lives in 1980s USA is woven in with different stories from their mother's lives and pre-World War II China, as well as parables based on ancient Chinese tales. But the novel's hinged on the main tale of Su Yan and her daughter Jing Mei. And Su Yan forms a joy luck club with three other Chinese female immigrants that she meets at church when she arrives in, in the USA. And they meet weekly. Um, and in America, after she settles, she gives birth to a daughter. But she had twin girls in China that she had to abandon. And this haunts her for the rest of her life. Su Yan actually dies before the novel begins and her history is told by Jing Mei, her daughter. Based on her knowledge of her mother's stories, anecdotes from her dad and what the other members of the Joy Luck Club tell her. At her dad's request, Jing Mei takes her mother's place at the Joy Luck Club after she dies and she begins to uncover more about her mother's pre previous life and, and how it shaped the woman she was. It's, her, it's Jing Mei, her American-born daughter, who finds out that the Joy Luck Club have traced her mother's Chinese twins and it's Jing Mei who fulfills her mother's long-cherished wish of, of reuniting with them. So that's the main crux of the story. But the whole book um, is just 16 little, just little stories, little vignettes on the stresses and challenges of modern life, but these are interspersed with this sort of weekly Joy Luck Club 
meetings where the women play mahjong and they feast on all sort of Chinese delicacies which they cook for each other. And the older women spin stories about the past and they share their worries and fears about their relationships with their daughters. And through their stories of her, from her mother's friends, Jing Mei becomes, comes to appreciate the richness of, of her heritage, her Chinese heritage, which all the mothers feel their daughters are losing in America. Some of the stories are based on Amy's real life. Her mother did have another family in China, which she had to leave behind. And she writes with a lot of warmth and reality and humour about the different generations and the communication or lack of it that often underpins family life. The characters are vivid and engaging as you follow the older women from China to USA with, and with their daughters who are railing against their traditional upbringings. I think Asian culture and heritage is probably underrepresented in a lot of fiction and this book, The Joy Luck Club, was certainly my first um, introduction to it but I've read lots of Amy Tan's books since then and she's just such a wonderful storyteller. She weaves a lot of traditional tales with modern life and from The Joy Luck Club I went on to read The Kitchen God's Wife, The Bone Setter's Daughter and The Hundred Secret Senses and she has more um, wonderful novels you can enjoy as well. But for, for International Women's Day, I'd like to celebrate Amy Tan. Rounding off her suggestions for International Women's Day and the final sound clip goes to Judy. Hopefully you'll have enjoyed these and got some fantastic inspiration as to some brilliant authors to pick up and maybe some characters to fall in love with. Hi, my name's Judy Maguire. I'm a customer services librarian, normally based in Airdrie Library, but like many people working from home at the moment. In the week of International Women's Day, I've been thinking about female authors I particularly enjoy and novels featuring strong and interesting characters. Today, I'd like to say a few words about one of those authors, Isabella Allende. Isabella Allende was born in Peru in 1942. Her strong feeling for feminism began when she was a child and she saw her mother abandoned by her father to bring up three small children. Rather than appreciating Isabel's desire to fight for women's rights, however, her mother found this a worrying trait and feared that it would prevent her daughter from catching a husband. Isabel married, had two children and worked as a journalist in Chile before her little family were forced to flee to Venezuela following the assassination of Chile's first socialist president and cousin to Isabel. Salvador Allende. The theme of exile and displacement occurs in many of Allende's novels, presenting challenges of loss and hardship for her strong female characters. Her books are fascinating in their portrayal of South American politics and the role of women in Latin America. In 1994, Isabel wrote a non-fiction book, Paula, written as a letter to her daughter who died of a hereditary blood disease. In 1996, she used the profits from this book to fund the Isabella Allende Foundation, 
which supports targeting the issues faced by women and girls, particularly in Chile and in the San Francisco Bay Area. One of the incidents which led to the setting up of the foundation took place while Isabel was in India. A woman she met in the street tried to hand over her one-day-old baby because it was a girl and she believed the best chance she could give her baby daughter was to give her away. In her recent book, The Soul of a Woman, Isabel reflects on youth, ageing and objectification. She looks at reproductive rights and sexual violence. Her definition of feminism is not what we have between our legs, but what we have between our ears. She recalls that the patriarchal society in Chile was very successful in depicting feminists as angry bitches who didn't shave their armpits. Despite the fact that, by her own admission, Allende is inclined to kill off a male male character she doesn't like by page 112, she does allow some worthy male characters to survive and even allows her female characters to love them. Isabel Allende was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in 2014. She is a strong and interesting person who married again for the third time in her 70s. So you see, she doesn't think men are all bad. Read her books, I'm sure if you enjoy strong female characters and a strong plot based on very real political situations, you will love them. So there you have it guys, that is all our sound bites from some of the women on our librarians team. I hope you have enjoyed them and got some inspiration for some fantastic authors to read and some characters to fall in love with. If you have enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us some feedback on social media using the hashtag, hashtag FLBpodcast or by dropping us an email to librarypodcast at culturenl.co.uk. As always, you can always do- download BorrowBox and get access to ebooks and e-audiobooks straight to their devices at home while the libraries are still closed. And if you need your password to get access to that, you can get that on our website at culturenl.co.uk slash password request. That's all for me for now, guys. We will be back soon again with another episode. And until then, it's bye for now. Bye, guys. <laughs>